Hey, it's time for another episode of the Tough Transitions podcast with George Clantis. But today I have a guest and we are diving deep with many of the things that challenged my growth much of my life. And that's introducing this concept of the inner child. Because for me, I remember trying so hard never to be like my parents. And then in the end, I found myself exactly where I didn't want to be. And when I started to dive deeper, I became aware of this disconnection from who I was as a young boy and why I kept running into certain narratives and why things kept repeating in my life. And then I came a conscious concept of the inner child and I began to see that much of what I did came from this wounded boy and a lot of never being able to acknowledge my past, right? And so it's interesting. If you've ever wondered why you do some of the things you do or why you react the way you react or why certain things make you mad, (laughs) this episode is going to help you find out that in reality, we're just little children in adults' bodies. And we cover today different types of archetypes with the inner child and all of these things to help you become more aware. And my guest name is Jessica Velasquez, and she is someone I met a few months ago on my own journey. We connected, and I loved her story. And basically, she's been empowering people for over 24 years to become the best version of themselves. And she has gone through so many changes in her life, which I'm going to let her talk about, and I don't want to give away her story, that today she sought out to help people you know, find those toxin patterns that they're stuck in and to help them stop trying to be people pleasers and all this and find the truth of who they are. And she has some amazing programs that help people transform their lives, connect with this inner child so they can be free, right? And her commitment to her own healing and growth is something that she believes has really made her who she is today. And so I'm excited about this episode because we're going to discover so much together. Um, And I know that you're going to learn a lot about the inner child and and start questioning why you do the things you do and how these certain things show up into your life. And so that's exactly why I have her on today, because this wounded child is in all of us, right? It's like we're carrying this powerlessness inside of us without even knowing it. And you know, the moment that we become aware is the moment that we can start to change, right? And if we think about it, most of us, we look at our childhood and we think, oh, childhood isn't that bad. But we're looking that at through the eyes of the adults, not through the eyes of our wounded child. And so if anything today, take what you hear and accept that you have an inner child with wounds so you can start to become more aware of the shame things that you carry that you might not even know about. And if you find this episode useful, please do me a favor and just review it and share it wherever you're at. Give me a tag. Give Jessica a tag. Let us know that you liked it. And without further ado, let's get into today's podcast. Hey, I'm George Clancis, and welcome to the Art of Tough Transitions podcast. I'm a writer, I'm a personal coach, I'm dad, but more importantly, I'm exactly like you. I know what it feels like to want to reach into your past and change anything you could have done differently to erase all the events that you wish didn't happen. 
You know, after going through my own rebirth, I've realized there really is nowhere to go in our lives. Then maybe the purpose of our lives is to not try to change the outcome of what we might be facing, but to simply be with our lives with as little as resistance as we can create. You know, if everything starts with a story, these stories I will share and the guests I will bring on will give you the power to free yourself from the heaviness you might be feeling during your transition. The purpose of this podcast is to show you that you are not alone in the world. Whatever is happening at this moment in your life, when you feel lost, couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. When you find the strength to step towards living the edges of the unknown, you begin to accept your entire life story rather than resist it. You know, one day you'll be able to look back and see that this day was a defining moment for you. You might not see this right now because you are finding ways to step between the spaces, but I promise you will love, you will laugh and smile again. Someday you will tell your story that the challenges you are facing right now did not crush your soul, or break your heart. They made you open because your voice matters. It always has. And so do you. Welcome to the Art of Tough Transitions podcast. All right, we are back for another episode of Tough Transitions with George, but today I have a guest. Yes, I actually have a guest, and we are going to get in all the things about the real work. I mean, the real work when I'm talking about the inner child work, and we're going to lead in with an expert today who I met a little bit ago, and we've been chatting, and she loves diving inward, so that's exactly what we're going to get into Jessica, I'm stoked and I'm going to ask you the question that I ask with everyone who's came on is what in your life has been the toughest transition and why has it shaped you to where you're at today? Thank you, George. I am grateful and honored to be here um, to support you and your listeners today um, as we dive in together and co-create. Let's see, the toughest transition. Okay, for me, it would be my late 20s when I was in the evangelical world, I was in pastoral leadership and married to my ex-husband, had a baby girl and really just wasn't feeling life. Felt I was the fish in a fish bowl. So I had to, so to speak, keep myself presentable Um, I was an example, leading by example. Our relationship was one that was modeled. It looked like this, you know, um, the whole like picket white fence and, you know, you're, you got the husband and the kid and the animals, the dogs and all that, you know, and it just really was just not, not my world um, internally. I was not happy. I was questioning things. I was kind of, I was pissed actually. I was pissed that there was all this pressure from external eyes. Pissed that I was, I I wasn't allowed to fail is what it felt like. I wasn't allowed to mess up. I was um, just in this pace of questioning and what what could I do to be less miserable here? And it led me to realize how unhappy I was in my marriage. Um, my husband and his position about our marriage just didn't align with where I was at and realizing, okay, this is leading into to a divorce. And oh my God, like, how is this going to look? How am I going to be appearing to other people? What are the judgments gonna be? What are the, you know, the accusations gonna be? Um, Whose fault? Who's going to be on my side? Who? Which allies? You know, are going to um, be? You know, with who? And just, it was a hot mess um, it, internally, but it was what revolutionized me. Truly, um, I spent about 15 years at that time, at that point, serving in ministry, 
ministry was my life to sacrificing. And here I was about to be tainted. I was about to basically go from what I built so hard with my credibility, my reputation to all basically go poof. And for what I didn't even know at the point because it just didn't make sense. It was just so unclear. There was no secure outcome, no guarantee. What the hell am I doing here? Um, so in the midst of that, so getting a divorce was rough. And then going from that transition into now, let's, let's, let's just really, you know, um, get hit by a Mack truck intentionally, really. And I ended up falling in love with my very, very best friend who's a female. This then radically challenged all my spiritual journey, my faith, my belief about same sex and everything that I even preached against behind the pulpit of, you know, I was homophobic. I was in this place of anti because that's what I thought I needed to do. That's what I thought was a good Christian, you know, and until I, as I tell my story, until I, how I say it is God gave me the most incredible gift of letting me eat my own shit is what I say, the judgment. Um, so yeah, my, so my wife who at the, at the time wasn't my wife yet, that made me question even deeper like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell is going on? What's going on with me? I am in this crazy identity crisis. Um, I already felt horrible enough and did not, you know, hated myself for, I felt like a failure spending 15 years giving my life into something then, and then, you know, it was going to radically change because of this divorce. And then here I am now, let me go further into some craziness. And then I was ostracized and slandered and told, you know, all kinds of bullshit because I wanted to follow my heart. Um, and then reconciling my faith and sexuality was a whole incredible, you know, journey of revolution for within me of who I am and who I wanted to be. Um, so yeah, that, that was crazy. And then on top of all that, going through a nightmare of a custody battle. Um, because as you'd imagine, you know, oh my God, like here I am in this same sex relationship. And what would be against me is uh, how am I raising my daughter in this same sex relationship here? There's no way. And so going into that kind of, it felt like blows energetically. We went to blows energetically, spiritually, <laughs> Mike's husband and I, and, um, you know, it's, it's radical that that was uh, 15 years ago um, now. Um, yeah, that was 15 years ago um, and we're civil and we're good <laughs> today. Um, and here I ended up marrying the love of my life, um, obviously, and so much has happened since then. Um, but it really made me see who the hell am I and who do I say that I am? And why do I care so much about these perceptions and this pressure? Um, that's it in a nutshell, you know, like what else you want to know? Like, I tried to listen. And so what I understood it, it's, I, uh, I can understand bits and pieces of it. Uh, and then I can't understand bits and pieces. Of it, so I'm trying to process okay. what I understood and, and what I do recognize is the separation of many different identities over the course of 15 to 20 years. And I, I know what that feels like very well. Um, um, 
especially separating from trying to figure out who I was as a man and still figure out who I am as a man, uh, breaking free from the marine, marine identity and the need to be perfect and stuff like that. So I, I heard this, this separation of many different identities. Can you walk through yeah. what that felt like for you and what was the process? like? And then how did that tie into like the work that you're doing today? Yeah, um, the process. The process was messy as hell. The process was, is in a, as you know, healing is not linear. Mm -hmm. The process was, it felt like sometimes I was made, gaining ground to you know who I am and then boom, something tested me that showed me, okay, and questioned that. So it felt like a regression as well. So the process was messy. The process was um, lonely. It was discouraging. And then there were glimmers of hope of, oh my God, could this actually be something that um, that I could claim as me? Is this me? Is this me? It was a constant questioning and a constant um, wonderment and really seeking out support too of what aligns with me. Um, so this process, taking um, walking you through the process, it was me having to face myself, me having to admit a lot of things that I did not want to admit, the people-pleasing aspects of myself, mm. the um, um, shame that I felt, the disappointment, the failing um, um, aspects of myself. It's admitting that. And then once being able to admit that, having the uh, most incredible amount of self-compassion, self-love, and it really came down to my relationship with myself that I really needed to develop more than absolutely anything. That is what it always comes down to is your relationship with yourself and thereby going into not only just your adult you, but your inner child. Mm -hmm. And what was this little girl within me going through still and trying to run the show because the people pleasing habit really was coming from my childhood. Um, amongst many other habits, you know, because I still wanted to be chosen. I still wanted to be loved. I still wanted to be, be accepted. I still wanted to be, you know, in a place where I belonged. Um, and so I presented myself as such so that I could, you know, but not staying true to myself. So that has been a journey of um, relinquishing what does not really resonate and belong with me throughout the years. Hmm. And what was that and I may have missed it, but what was that defining moment where you said, okay, like enough was enough? Because for me, the defining moment was honestly having a gun to my head. Yeah. I faced the dark uh, point that a human, I believe that humans can go through is the point where they don't think they're worthy enough and they want to end their life because they've brought so much pain. That was my turning point. What was your turning point where you're like, okay, I'm feeling unseen. I'm feeling unheard. I'm, I'm not feeling witness here. Like something's being unmet. And so I need to make yeah. a change. Where was that for you? There were a few. Um, I, you know, as you say that, like I think back, um, I tried to OD on some pills. Um, I remember being so checked out doing that and walking miles and not feel, and all of a sudden not having feeling in my body. It was numb and tingles. Mm -hmm. My heart beat, I could feel, was slowing down and me feeling like I was gonna collapse. And I kid you not, a taxi, a taxi cab pulled over, saw me just, I, I obviously just, you know, in my disoriented self um, and truly an angel 
had put me in the back of his car and asked me where I lived. Um, and I was able to, you know, share. Um, I was so like in and out of consciousness by this point in his car. He brought me to my house. Um, that was, that was like an oh shit. Um, yeah, I, it was rough. And then another moment was me really drowning in my own tears. Um, and I say snot boogers, <laughs> all tears and snot and boogers and having this vision of my casket. And the message that was coming through intuitively was, who did you live for? You seeing yourself in this casket, who did you live for? Did you live really to please others? Did you live really not honoring the sacredness that I have given you life with to honor here? You sacrificed that, abandoned that so that you would be so chosen all the damn time by everybody else. And what did you do at the end of the day? And it was like such a smacking wake up call for me there as well of, oh my God, like I, I need to get it together and honor my damn self and not be so concerned about the acceptance and approval of anybody else because I don't want to end up being in a casket, not living my greatness, not living my dreams. Mm, yes, very powerful. I, <clears throat> I'm with you there. I think many of us are living these stories because it's the way we've been taught or we've been told. I think it's definitely getting better today in social media and all the things like it's a double-edged sword, right? You got amazing greatness out there. People are falling, people are changing, people are wanting to do the work. And then you got other people still trying to fit in the boxes. Uh, I, I, my question is, like, do you think we're all little children in adult bodies? Like stop. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Look when, look when someone gets, an adult gets pissed off. Really, it's just a glorified adult tantrum. <laughs> You know, <laughs> really, um, at the end of the day, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. I, I parenting a five-year-old and I'm like, okay, when I like tend to get a little bit mad or a little bit reactive, I'm like, all right, I see her doing it. She reminds me of me. And then I'm like, ah, dang it. All right, cool. So now yeah. we'll, we'll dive a little bit into that. Um, you know, you're right. Yeah. The relationship with yourself, like they say, the relationship with others sets a tone. But I, I believe, like you said, that the relationship with our self first sets a tone for everything else in our lives. And the only way we can do that is if we kind of go backwards, right? So what, like, there's so much work on there, so much books, so much things. Like, what is your definition of the inner child? The inner, the inner child is basically who you were growing up. Um, the little person in you, um, it makes up the little you that you wanted to be the little you that you were, the little you that you weren't allowed to be, um, the little you that all parts of, that were shamed, that were scared, that, um, that wanted to be loved and craved attention, all parts of the little person that you were basically when you were a child. Um, it's who you were from the moment of conception. Um, and the, yeah, the little you that was brought up by your caregivers in whatever dynamic that looked like. Do you think there's like a particular age for an inner child or can it be like a certain area? Because I know there's like so much research that says like before the age of like six or seven, we're like sponges. We don't really much remember. Yeah, much. like like you're, so the, the thought is before four, your fundamental beliefs are like already set in stone and concrete. Hmm. Uh, but no, the inner child, no. Um, it's basically throughout, um, you know, infant, toddler, 
um, school age, adolescent. Um, that's all the inner child. It's, it's interesting because at least for me, like I know that, uh, I mean, here I'm doing again, like my childhood wasn't that bad, right? But like, that's the story I told myself to process. And I've done a lot of work and I still continue to work. But what I was doing is dissociating myself from the boy who was wounded at a young age. I wrote about this in my book, which is why now I can talk about it. But for my whole entire life, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. My parents just went through a divorce. But actually at a young age, I witnessed it. Like, and no kid at that young age should witness it. Right? like witness your parents going through that much turmoil. And if you do it, it causes a lot of stress. I mean, for me, it was the, like, okay, I have to be a man now. I have to grow up and not see that and act like it never happened. So I did that for many, many years and that really caused turmoil. So what do you think about this inner child and connection and like how it really carries over to, to adulthood and like addictions and things like that? Because you said that you almost, or you, I had a lot of different addictions as well. Um, and I found it, it came from these core wounds. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. yeah. So the relation you're asking about the relationship between us as adults, um, with our inner child. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's everything that, you know, that's why I, you know, I do the work that it's my niche to support souls in their healing and, um, journey now mm -hmm. to connect and reparent is what it's called reparenting the inner child is giving the little kid in you what you needed that you did not get while you were being raised. And by doing that, you're able to rewire your beliefs that are limiting and that are self-sabotaging mm. when you're able to reparent the inner child. And so that is like the foundation for individuals to really stand in their greatness, to really re like reconnect with the essence of who they are before the world told them they, who they needed to be. Yeah, very important, and it, but it's so hard to do, right? Like I always say like, or Carl yes. Young famous, like I'm not what happened to me, I am what I choose to become, but we cannot unlock the greatness if we don't address all who we are. We have to accept it before we can move forward, right? So how many of us like in your, it's just like how many people do you deal with like actually discredit this experience and part of it and why do you think we do it and if someone's just starting how can we begin to yeah do the work right there's a lot of, you know and I've, I've worked with clients that they have a challenging time they know that they need to do work but they have a hard time even saying that they had a challenging childhood or anything happened bad in childhood and the one of the reasons why I found working with clients that they say that and disassociate with admitting that there were some things that were troubling is because they feel disloyal to their parents mm -hmm. um, or maybe not grateful. And like, listen, you could have a decent upbringing and your parents were doing the best that they could, but they were doing what they only knew as well, mm -hmm. right? So you're only creating the cycle if you're not doing the work. You're, I mean, recreating the whole pattern and generational trauma um, and that could vary in severity, trauma, right? So you could grow up in a decent home and be compliant, but even being compliant teaches you not to honor your truth and how to acquiesce to everything else and put yourself last and not speak up, mm. which is not supportive either. Right. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be where you're like in, exposed to this like physical and verbal abuse, abusive home either. Um, so it can vary there. And now as far as how would you even begin reparenting? Um, and a lot, a lot of times this is uncomfortable. It sounds silly 
you know, like, okay, what do I do here? Here's my adult self, right? Like, um, and it can sound silly, but it really is um, that simple and that powerful of talking to your inner child. And you can do this out loud. You can do this journaling. And I would even encourage, create a name for your little person. Um, my my uh, inner child's name is just little one, little one. And I, when I journal, I say little one, I talk to her just as if I like I'm talking to my daughter. Mm, yeah. And it's addressing, hey, I know you're scared right now. It's okay. I know that that feels unfair, but it's okay because I got you. We're doing this together. You're not alone. You don't have to do this. Um, you don't have to try to convince somebody of whatever it is, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's really nurturing that little part in you that is craving something that you didn't get when you were, you were a child. But when we reparent our inner child, that is powerful because then the wounded child is not running the show because what child is going to run their adult, like an adult life? Well, no, no, no child would, you know, they're limited in their capacities. Yeah. It's often, you know, you had a good point. We often discredit those experiences and we discredit them as, as, as adult humans, not as little children. So our little child brain could not process all that. So the protection mechanisms, like I got to survive, I got to do X, Y, Z. And you're right. It doesn't have to be like trauma is so wide, wide defined. We won't really get into that today, but like yeah. the definitions of it. Right. So it doesn't matter what happened. Our little child brain at that time could only process so much. So we right. shut whatever we needed, or we, we like gave in. We said, yes, we were people pleasers. We tried to save our parents, whatever it is. So many different things. For me, it was, I I had to be two things. I was the life of the party, right? Or I was like the overachiever. Those were the two big ones in my life. Life of the party. Woohoo. He's the guy like I'll party. All the things. And that was like, oh, I mean, teenage years all the way up until like late twenties. And then overachiever started like late twenties into like mid thirties until everything hit. Those were my two wounds. That's the way that the inner child came out. I don't know how it did it. It just did it. But all the work I've done, like kind of reflected that. So it's very interesting. You said that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mine was um, perfectionism. Um, I could not, I wasn't allowed to make a mistake. I wasn't allowed to fail. I wasn't allowed. And so obviously in my adult world, those, those thoughts in my head creep up were really not my voice, my parents' voice, really. Um, And I had to learn, you know, how to give myself self-compassion and see mistakes and failures as opportunities for growth versus shame. Hmm. How can, so we talked about like parenting in your child, like for me, it's been a little bit easier to parent myself because I have a five-year-old girl and like literally- Like she like literally saved myself. Like I, you know, it's yeah. fun how you say everything. they say like everything comes around. I can't say everything happens for a reason because that's like so bypassing shit. But what I'm saying is I have a five-year-old daughter and I believe that her presence in my life saved my life, but also is teaching me how to get the things that I never got. Right. And I'm human. So of course, like there yes. are things. Um, she's taught me so much about vulnerability and emotional like acceptance and trying to set boundaries and all these things that I had trouble with my whole entire life. I have to do it because I have a five-year-old. Well, I get to do it. Right. Uh, it's a mirror. She's a mirror for you. <laughs> yeah, it's a privilege. It's a lot of fun, but it's also one of the toughest transitions. But we were just talking about a little bit. We were saying like inner child. I just wrote a whole like meditation on that this morning and I, and I shared it because I said that I went back to my home at six years old and witnessed that went in, took my 
inner child hand yeah. walked him away and said, it's okay, you're going with me. I got you now. And that was very powerful because I cried. But some yeah. people, they still can't visualize this. It's like so strapped in their brain and their, and their pain, whatever, like it's shut off. So how can someone first begin to understand the emotional triggers if they choose not to work with a coach or read a book or anything? Like, what would you recommend? You know, there's not really much you can do with someone who's not willing. You know, you have to have, even if you're kind of willing and what I would do in a kind of willing individual is I would encourage them to do two to three minute meditations, Mm. get more present mindfully. It's there's a need for some presence there. And so being more present, getting like two to three minute meditation, or even just some simple breath work, um, you know, four counts in, three counts hold, seven counts out, something like that, uh, breath work as well, just to be present with your body yeah, and feeling into their body because your body is going to show you where you have shit as well. There's such a connection somatically mm-hmm. what, um, with trauma um, and, you know, when we suppress our truth and when we've gone through things, our body carries messages for us constantly that wants to speak. Yeah, I think your body holds the keys to the freedoms you seek for sure. Yeah, yeah. So a person who doesn't have a child, that doesn't have that mirror or is like, you know, not full on board willing, but it's kind of willing. I would encourage them to start with some meditation, some really short meditations to practice being present with themselves because mm-hmm. you have to be able to get comfortable being present with yourself. Yeah, I love that. Um, what's your favorite form of breathing? For me, I do so many different types. Like I do do six yeah. or box breathing. I also do, I coach breath work. So I do deep, like holistic yeah. breath work. Um, but what is, what is your favorite? I'm curious. I, I love the diaphragmatic breathing. Um, yeah. I love four, seven, eight mm. um, pounds as well. I don't know if you've heard of effigy. I haven't, no. They are an incredible movement right now, and they um, teach breath work just really from the mouth, not even utilizing the nose. Yeah, that's what I do. I do that for in my breath work sessions. We do Uh 15 to 25 minutes of pure mouth breathing, two two inhales, one exhale, and it's made to hack into the nervous system because because we're so fight or flight. um, Whenever we get this much oxygen into our bodies, which we never allow, we tap into that like uh, parasympathetic system yeah. us to feel and really breathe and to just process everything. It's insane what the body right. is. Yeah. And like, think about that, right? That's only with your breath. That's like the most powerful experiences you can have that are really at the end of the day with breath, it's free and it's at your disposable at, I mean, your disposal at any time. And it's so un- underutilized. Yeah. It's very powerful. I, I totally agree. That's why I use it in my coaching. And it literally, I didn't find about it until, you know, I was always breathing in the Marine Corps through shooting rifles and stuff. Yeah. Totally different. <laughs> this is like way different. Like this stuff really does emotional release. Um, you know, they yeah. say if you, if you aren't fully breathing, you're not living. And I truly believe that now. Um, all right. Yeah. So, the, the thing I'd like to a little talk, talk more about like these type of archetypes though, because I think so many different people have them. Like, you know, we talk about the overachievers, the perfectionism, um, the, the, um, what I, what I say, life of a party. What else do you see that it comes out in ways so that people can be a little bit more aware of it? So we talked about perfectionism, overachievers, uh, life of the parties. What else have you seen? Oh, um, the compliant, the mm-hmm. rebel, the rescuer, enabler, 
Let's go into a little bit of them. Yeah, so that way people can, what, what, what are, what are compliant? Does compliant mean like they're always saying yes to things? Yeah, they're afraid to disappoint mom and dad. Okay. Afraid, so the compliant child is the one that they were, they were not going to say no. They wanted to make sure that they was um, that they weren't in trouble, so they were going to say yes to everything, and they were going to give all of themselves, um, no matter what it took. Mm-hmm. And um, they just were craving the validation, craving the the praise, craving the acceptance from mom and dad. Um, it's like saying, "Here's what I did. You know, aren't you proud? Um, I did this for you, mom. You know, um, so mom could." Yep, that's what I, that's what's expected. And so disappointment is like just not in their wheelhouse. They were not going to do it. Um, so that's a very compliant child. Um, say that again. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The rescuer, the rescue and enablers um, more so, oh my God, I got to help. I have to help mom. I have to help dad. Oh my God, they're sad. What can I do here? Oh my God, they're angry. What do I need to do? Mm. Um, what can I do? Um, this is the, the child that might make some, you know, peanut butter jelly sandwich that might make, you know, hot cocoa that might um, clean their room and do some extra chores, um, you know, to make sure. I mean, and it can also cross them over, over as compliant, but they just, their motive and intent was to make sure mom and dad were not upset. So they're more of like a people pleaser type thing? Yeah. Mm. Making sure that, yeah, mom and dad, you know, because seeing them angry means it's a threat for them. Sure. So if I could be responsible and take it up, like, obviously they're not saying this to themselves, but uh, for a child that's in that rescuing kind of position dynamic, they feel responsible for their parents' feelings. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, um, and the life of the party kind of individual, that's an individual that, man, they just want everybody to be happy. Let's ha- be happy. Let's, and I'm going to make sure everybody's happy. I'm going to make sure. I mean, you can speak to this, right? Yeah. I want peace. I want everybody happy. We're not going to be upset here. Um, no. And if there's any signs of tension, well, let's do something like crack a joke or make some, have some fun. Let's do something silly right here. Yeah, I would, I would organize parties, get togethers, yeah. I did that all. And you know what? Like, I hate <laughs> doing that stuff now. I'm like, <laughs> like, I know it's part of life sometimes, but like, you won't see me go out of my way to do it. Right? I yeah. do it I want to lead others, but I don't feel like the need. That was a big, big, big one for me, for sure. It's like a little person's way of numbing out. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you got to do like, like i don't want to be alone right now i'm just gonna party and get a bunch of people <laughs> together and this is awesome <laughs> yeah um, um yeah you talked about the perfectionism one a little bit could you touch upon that because i know many people definitely feel that one yeah the perfectionist child this is where my yeah i i am in that archetype there um that I continue to reparent my little girl. And so this one is, oh my gosh, if I do anything wrong, what does that say about me? Mm. If I mess up and do anything, I am going to be in trouble. I am going to not have friends. I am not going to be liked. Mm. I am going to be teased. Um, I'm not worthy, basically. It's it's a lot of self-worth there um, and trying to gain external approval so that you feel good about yourself. So you're doing everything you can because the more perfect you do things, the better you're going to feel about yourself. So it's really connected to the self-worth that's driving that. 
love it. Yeah, I, I think out of all of them, what I've heard is there's some type of unmet emotional needs. I'm going to subconsciously disguise that with creating this archetype I have no clue about, and it's just going to make me temporarily feel good while I still feel unseen, unheard, unloved, and all. Of yes, that's why, that's why it's important to reparent so that you can see your wounded child. So you can be the one that sees them. You can be the one that validates them. You know, and that internal experience between the adult you and the inner child you is transformative because yeah. then you're really not craving for the approval of anybody else, which when you give, you know, when we give like um, power to somebody else and we draw energy from their approval, that same like sucking of, oh yeah, I love these accolades. I love this, you know, um, um, approval has the same power to destroy you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If that's how much you're measuring your worth externally, that's how much you can really just hit rock bottom too. So the key is to find that worth within yourself. And that is between adult you and inner child you. Yeah, it's very powerful. Like I think you just tied that like really well. Um, this idea that our work comes from within and it always comes from within, but it's hard for us to feel that, to see it if we really don't go backwards and see where we might have abandoned ourselves and yeah. this work like I think it's a like you said earlier it's a lifelong process it never stops because when we're in relationships that's when it's going to come up the most right so if you're single listen in this like yes do the work challenge yourself do as much work as you can but you're really going to be challenged when you're a parent when you're in a relationship right when you're with your family your friends all these things and that's when you start to really process and see like where these uh, emotional triggers come up. Right, right. I always say, you know, if you're wanting to get on this personal growth train, like the fast track is get married, <laughs> will be already building a relationship and have a child. You will get there real quick. <laughs> yeah, it might not feel good in the process though. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I learned a lot like being single and now I'm like dating again and I'm here or there, but pretty much still single. And there's nothing like when when you do have that like oh that kind of hits something there like that didn't make me feel good like i responded some way i shouldn't have had or yeah. not um and the biggest thing is i forgive myself yesterday for not knowing what i know today i always tell right. myself, it's very powerful um, yeah I, one of the mantras that i love um that it's always supports me is i do the best that i can in every um moment of like i i do the best that i can with the level of awareness i have in every moment Mm, I love that. Yeah. Say that one more time. So people can listen. <laughs> yeah. I do the best I can with the level of awareness I have in every moment. Mm. So, so being able to give yourself that grace, being able to give yourself that love, especially with mistakes in the past or things that you've done and, and remembering that, you know what, you had the information you had and that's what you did your best with right at that time. Well, here you are today um, with, you know, a new level of awareness. And tomorrow you'll have another one and, you know, months. And if you continue to be on this growth journey, who you're going to be, you know, is going to be drastically different in days, months, you know, years to come. So it's not fair to yourself to measure and come at yourself with some judgment about something you did, you know, back whatever, when, because all of a sudden, you know, something different now. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, if we keep, doing that like we're basically denying like our own growth our own our own individual our own self-individualization and discovery because we keep like shooting ourselves or we keep like 
like yeah. you're shameful like all those things are completely human but until we learn to like give ourselves compassion and, and grace and learn to forgive ourselves right it's gonna right. be in that perpetual pattern no matter what i i i joke about it but it shows up just in different faces same relationship you know like yeah. Yeah. Same problems like all these things they don't go away unless you really take a step back and stop running right that's why i wrote the right book. until we do it's like saying it's like that saying there you go with your unresolved bullshit mm. even if you left the relationship you're still there with your unresolved shit so really it's not it's it's easy to blame the external right it's easy to blame you know that so and so but really it's the common denominator is at when you see yourself in different dynamics with different people but same shit it's the common denominator is you mm. you know um so yeah they're they're gifts <laughs> they're opportunities they are, yeah. <laughs> I, I, they are. I totally believe you and that's something you know well you might not find gifts from every single wound um, I definitely believe that like those tougher transitions in life are those places where you can really ignite a flame and passion within to really grow and expand. Of course, some things, Absolutely. you know, I'm not talking about like rape and all these weird, I'm talking no. about perpetual no. patterns that keep coming up over yeah. and over. Like when you go through that tough transition, that career change, when someone dies, when you, when a tough breakup occurs, like that's your chance to really expand and grow. And, and find out who you really are underneath it all. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's say there's one thing that you could tell someone like in the middle of a tough transition right now, who's really struggling, who really needs some help. What would your little wisdom of nugget be? Oh my God. Reach out to me. <laughs> Reach out to me so I can add value to support you in your life and your journey. But, um, but to get support, you know, if, if it's not, you know, if your listeners resonate with me, obviously you'll have information um, that I'll give you if you don't have it already to contact me. But if, if it's not me resonating, reach out to someone for support. Um, it is not, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Not, there's no way I would ever be without accountability in my, my journey um, or in support, but that's extremely important, getting support to help you in the transition. Because when we are doing it alone, it feels that much more magnified. And so many things can be normalized when you have support to realize, oh, okay, it's not just me. This is not her, you know, the end of the world kind of feeling. Um, and that's what the support can give you. And that you're not, and you're not alone. Because when you're going through a tough transition, as, as you know, um, doing it alone just sucks. It yes. makes things even darker. You know, so getting getting support is extremely important. And I wish I knew, obviously, but my level of awareness, right? I wish I knew what I what I know now, um, because I would have made so many things, um, you know, gone through so many things with not as much heartache. Um, but yeah, I that's why I this is my niche and passion to be who I wish I had. But the reality is facing my own bullshit. I didn't look out and reach out you know, vulnerably, vulnerably for someone either. And that's on, that was on me too. No, yeah, that's, it's, it's beautiful because uh, when I started this work, I found lots of men's work, therapists, coaches, mentors, all the things I just said, enough was enough. I can't do this alone anymore. Yeah. Um, 
I, I need help. I need to grow. And now I'm part of all these amazing groups and met all these amazing humans through it. I wrote a book through it. Like, so if you are out there struggling, you know, reach out to anyone. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a sign of strength. Um, and I know Absolutely. it's easier said than done, um, but you'll feel so much better by reaching out for sure. Um, yeah. What is uh, one thing you're working on right now that uh, people can get a hold of you or that people can find you with? Is there anything that do you have? Is is it more of a coaching program one on one, or is, are you working on? Oh, something? I have. So I have two. I have two options. Um, I have a deep dive one on one intensive, which is a three month commitment, mm -hmm. and it's um, twelve sessions one on one for sixty minutes, as well as Voxer. I don't know if you're familiar with Voxer. Um, Voxer is one incredible beast, um, a tool that I support clients with to basically journey with them, like through text and audio for three months um, to support them when they're going through stuff and teach them practically how to basically like when you're triggered, how you're pissed off, being able to message me and be for me to be able to support you in that moment of how to handle that, how to connect with your inner child. Um, so that's, that's um, amazing Voxer support there. And then I have also a three month commitment group coaching program called Sacred Rebel. And that supports healing and basically you coming into your essence and owning who you are unapologetically by resolving trauma um, and rebelling against anything that takes away from your sacredness. And so that is a um, nine, nine calls there with um, group coaching support that I facilitate with other people on the journey together. Um, so there's are two options there and um, yeah. Sacred Rebel, guys, that's what it's called. Sacred Rebel, yes, yeah. Awesome, well, this was amazing. Um, I know I definitely learned a lot. It's always fun to talk about the inner child, so thank you very much, and until next time, guys. You're welcome. All right, what an amazing episode. I learned so much about the inner child. I'm stoked to dive deeper even more, and if you found this useful and you're still listening, tag us, share us, let us know what you thought about it and liked about it the most, and we'll reach out personally to say thank you. And then if you want to get an early look at my inside access before the book is released, go to nowheretogobook.com, and I'm on a mission to grow my new community that I opened to a 1,000 strong by 2023, and so you will help this and be part of one of the founders of the community where you won't be blocked. You'll be seen, heard, and witnessed for all the things that you're experiencing in life right now. Go to nowheretogobook.com to get an early look at the book before it's released, plus join the community. I'm excited for all the things that are coming up and have an amazing day.